Welcome to the Jane Bond Show, from execution to excellence. And I am your host, Jane Bond, the serial entrepreneur who will be sharing with you valuable life lessons and interviewing influencers from around the country who have broken through to success, along with giving you advice on navigating through the game. Today's topic is music, money, and investments. Our special guest is a young man who has worked and toured with some music giants such as Rihanna, Sean Paul, and Big Sean, to name a few, who he also collaborated with on his last music project. He shares with us what it was like growing up in the inner city of Detroit. He talks about recognizing his love for the arts at an early age and becoming passionately obsessed with mixing and scratching music turntable style. Before sharing his newfound love with anyone, he decided to hone his craft for a year. After a year, his strategy paid off by receiving an opportunity to spin in front of a few DJs and one particularly that he listened to and emulated. This chance meeting later landed him a job at the local radio station WJLB in Detroit and later a full-time slot as a DJ and as they say, the rest was history. Without any further ado, I'd like to introduce you to my special guest, DJ Mo Beats. Hey, Chris, how are you? Hey, hey, pretty good. Great, great. Everybody, we have Chris Elliott with us this evening on From Execution to Excellence. And Chris is better known as DJ Mo Beats. Yes, so, yes. Chris. I am so happy to have you on our show this evening, and I want to yeah, dig right yeah. in because, yeah, 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 I have quite a few questions I want to ask you here. <laughs> okay, let's, let's get to it. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Chris, I know you told me that you grew up in Detroit. Tell our audience mm-hmm. what it was like growing up in the inner city of Detroit. Um, so, so, like you said, I, I was born and raised in Detroit on the west side. Um, specifically on on Glendale between Linwood and Lawton, and um, you know it was it was cool. But the the one thing um, is that when I was growing up, I was always into like say I was playing baseball when I was younger. I was like you know doing these different after school activities, um, taking martial arts um, in the band. So my my mom and my grandma always had me kind of involved in in different after-school activities, so I didn't necessarily have a lot of time to just, you know, be getting into trouble. Like, I wasn't just hanging around in a neighborhood because the area that I grew up in, like, just hanging around, you you can definitely get into some some trouble or doing some stuff that you really have no business doing. So, luckily, they they kept me super active um, when I was younger, which I think contributed to everything that I'm doing right now, so... For the most part, it was it was it was good. No no complaints. Honestly, um, everything was 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 pretty smooth for the, for the most part growing up in Detroit. So you didn't find yourself having facing any challenges there as a young man. Um, surprisingly, not because of I think because of how I came up and then my uh, my path in terms of music there wasn't a lot of adversity that I necessarily faced in in terms of that because, like, at the time when I started DJing, this was before um, there weren't really that many other DJs that were even in my age range. So it wasn't like I was competing with anybody. It wasn't like I was, um, like, nothing like that. It's like I... Like, I don't want to jump too far ahead because I would actually want to, like, tell you how I even, like, started with DJing. But even, oh, yeah, coming up with DJing, there was, <laughs> yeah, there was no um, adversity or anything that I necessarily faced um, coming up in Detroit, surprisingly. Right, right, because Detroit could be a tough city, definitely. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So let me ask you this. Were your parents supportive in this career path you have taken? Um, so, so the thing with that is, like, I wanted to start DJing uh, actually, like, around eighth grade. So the story behind it, um, my eighth grade was DJ. So um, 
back in middle school, I was already playing, like, playing drums. I played clarinet, saxophone, um, you know, and stuff like that. And I was already just naturally musically inclined. So, like oh, okay. I said, my teacher, he was, a, he was a DJ. So I would always see him DJing the school dances. So I would just, you know, sit back and just watch. And I was just, you know, uh, amazed. So at that point, I wanted to start. But, of course, the equipment wasn't, wasn't inexpensive at all. So after I got to high school, I started asking my mom, like, hey, you know, I really want some turntables. Like, I really want a DJ. And, you know, like I said at the time, the equipment wasn't inexpensive. So it took me pretty much begging for this equipment for, like, a year um, for her to actually realize that I was serious. And it was even to the point where I was so uh, serious about it and knew this, this is what I wanted to do. There's this magazine called uh, Pro Sound, Pro Sound and Stage Lighting. So basically they sell, like, DJ equipment, speakers, and stuff like that. So I would have this catalog sent to, to the house, and I pretty much circled the equipment that I wanted. You know, anytime a new um, magazine will come, I'm, like, excited looking through it. I would always go to, to different, like, record stores and listen to records and go to, like, uh, Guitar Center, which is where they sell equipment. Um, right. And so I was just, you know, really interested. So basically my mom, after me begging her for like a year straight, she got me some turntables for uh, for Christmas in 10th grade. And um, oh, she was she was super fun. supportive. Yeah, that's yeah, fantastic. She was, but one thing, you know, that's that, the noise, the noise in the house alone. Yeah, with true, true, true. Children, yes. So you true, must be really But that's even one thing, too, with like, yeah, and I would even, um, after I got my turntables, I would be, you know, in my room every day after school, like, practicing. And sometimes I would even, like, you know, have my mom, like, hey, you know, come listen to this, like, after I try a different mix or something like that. Um, but, yeah, so she was, she was super supportive after, after she saw that I was, like, really interested. And, I mean, from that day forward, I never really had to ask her for money. So I'm sure she'd be happy she got me turntables. That's fantastic because, you know, sometimes we, you know, parents, you know, and even us as children, we miss that opportunity or that, um, that kind of introspective of who we think we want to be. And before we know it, we have traveled down another path and we have to circle back <laughs> because we realize yeah. that was a passion that we missed, you know, out on or didn't have the support. Because that can happen mm-hmm. in families, you know. If you don't have the support, sometimes young people don't really um, understand that that's a, a true passion that they have because they're misguided yeah. and they'll go and do something else, it would, you know, get a regular job just to, to yeah. make money and make ends meet. So, um, yeah. you know, kudos to your mom for being supportive and, yeah. and seeing that that's something that you really wanted to do and you were passionate about it. Yeah, and so it was actually something that I had no clue that I could get paid for doing that, honestly, when I started. That's the interesting part as well. It was just like I love music and I want to DJ, and it kind of, you know, it worked out. That's cool. But why DJing? I mean, you were, like you said, you were musically inclined. What kind of, you know, mesmerized you and made you want to go in and, you know, start DJing and scratching and the whole thing? Because I remember back in... I don't want to date myself too much. I remember back in <laughs> late nineties when I was when I had moved back to New York, um, and uh, I I remember hearing about a school called Scratch, and I was thinking to myself, mm-hmm. a yeah. DJ school? How could that be? But I I distinctly remember that when I decided I wanted to interview you, I started you know playing the records back saying, you know, what can I connect with? And I remember that school called Scratch because we were there and we were doing film and TV and things like that. But I remember DJing started becoming really big. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's actually, like I was saying, because of my eighth grade teacher, but it was, I think, mainly being able to manipulate music in a certain way, like you can using, using records and, and DJing. And also, okay. like, a lot of times I would listen to the radio and it's like certain mix shows, meaning, you know, when there's a live DJ on and he's mixing, whether it be, you know, at 5 p.m. or if it's on the weekend and they're doing these different mixes and it sounds like you're at a club. 
So that part also drew me in, like the way that they would actually mix the record, the way that they would like scratch a certain record before bringing it in. And it would even be points to sometimes when I would be in the car and, you know, say a DJ is on a radio mixing and I could tell what song was coming up next just by them like scratching the next song like a millisecond, like just a little bit, just because I knew how each song started. Like it was right. it was crazy when I think back about it. But yeah, those are some of the things that kinda kinda really drew me in uh to DJ. Interesting, interesting. So after you realized that's what you wanted to do and you were in Detroit, um, did you navigate through the music scene in Detroit? Yeah, so so pretty much the way that, that worked out was um in high school, maybe about I would say 11th grade because when I first got my turntables, I um, pretty much just practiced in my room for a year straight before I did any gigs or before I was even putting it out there that I was DJing. So um, after I started doing gigs, you know, I started, you know, getting a lot more known for that. And then we actually had a, a uh, kind of a, a DJ battle at high school. And it was me and another friend right. of mine who was, uh, who was also a DJ. So at that time, there were three judges who came from the radio station in Detroit. Uh, WJLB, which is actually the station that I ended up uh, working for. So the okay. uh, three judges came, and it was um, DJ Fingers, uh, Kim James, and Big Dog Blast. So they came, and uh, DJ Fingers was the DJ who I would always listen to at 5 p.m. on the radio. So, you know, I knew exactly who all of them were. So basically, I was, um, you know, on my turntables, and I'm doing one of the routines that I always hear him do on the radio. So then, of course, they, like, took notice and then came over. And then, um, specifically, uh, Big Dog Blast, he gave me his card because he was like, oh, you know, this this young guy, you know, he's, he's getting to it. He's on, you know, using records. He's on turntables. And they were impressed. So um, he gave me his card. Then, you know, I'm in high school, so I'm like, it probably took me two weeks to even, like, hit him up as far as, like, you know, connecting because I was just like, what do I say? Like, oh, man, like, I didn't know. <laughs> you, were too, so, you were so excited. You were a little nervous, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know, <laughs> you know what to even, like, do. So so kind of fast forward, I started practicing with um with Blast and then also another DJ, Don Q, who um they're just, like, super turntable as DJs. So when it comes to, like, you know, scratching and all these technical type things, they were, they were on that. So I learned a lot from them. I would always get, like, their um, extra records because, like, record labels would send, you know, promotional copies to DJs from the radio. So at that time, like, I wasn't, quote, unquote, on yet. So any extra records they had, they would give me those. Um, then I started interning at the radio station. Then I started doing, like, guest mixes. And even when I was interning, I was, like, getting lunch for the program director and an assistant program director and, you know, picking up the mail for different people and just little, you know, odd ins and outs like that. And then it kind of rolled into me um, doing guest mixes on the radio. So for, like, holidays, um, whether it's Fourth of July, Thanksgiving, et cetera, I would do guest mixes um, during that time. And then I started – actually, later on, got a full slot where I was on Friday nights uh, after the club uh, at, like, 2 a.m., Friday and Saturday. And then – um. Yeah, that's how a lot of that worked out. And at the same time yeah. that I'm climbing the, the ladder in radio, I was already doing um, all of the main clubs in Detroit. So, you know, wow, all you of were the, climbing fast. The, yeah, because like I said, at that time, there weren't a lot of DJs even in my age range. So, like, when it came to young DJs, I was the DJ. So, like, all these different clubs, like, you know, and doing different, different college um, parties and it was just a lot of different parties and events I was doing on the regular, so that really helped me build my name and my brand. Yeah, absolutely. And at that point, you were at you were right there at the same time and same place with those demographics. So you yeah, exactly. You could <laughs> the other guys yeah. were probably tired. They were like, "No, we going home. Let the young boy take his take yeah. out all night." That's really cool. That's exactly Seems it was. like you rocketed. So, what made you yeah. move to California? You, like, went straight to Cali after that? Yeah, it was – this was a couple of years later, and this was after, um, you know, so I DJ for our artist, Big Sean. So 
it was a situation where we were on tour a lot and we were doing, you know, these different gigs and everything. Yeah, 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 it, it is. And before moving, I was in between, like, if I wanted to, I had three places in mind. It was like, I was like New York, Atlanta, or L.A. And right. I was Big going metro. back and forth for yeah, I was like, I was going back and forth about it, but then the rest of the team was already in L.A. And then, long story short, I ended up um, uh, making the move, and things kind of started to just fall into place because I was already doing radio in Detroit, and by that time, I was doing Monday, I was doing Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. So I was doing wow. the radio show that I used to listen to back when I was in high school. So what a dream like I was true. doing. Yeah, yeah, everything just like – came full circle so I was doing that and then I kind of realized that I reached the ceiling in terms of like you know different gigs that I could do and different you know as far as like exposure and opportunity so um made the move out to LA then maybe a year or two after moving um a radio station flipped and they made it uh uh iHeart station which is the same as the station I was doing in Detroit so basically, I ended up getting hired on as a mixer for that station when it started. So, yeah, everything just started to fall into place. And we were still on the road, you know, still doing tours and everything like that. And I made the move and nothing really uh, skipped the beat. So it just it worked out. And you never looked back. So how long ago was that? Um, I would say roughly about seven, about seven, eight years. Wow. So you've been in the game quite some time. Yeah, so I started DJing when I was about 16, and I'm um, 33 right now. And it's been my wow, full-time yeah. job, like, since. Yeah, since, since I 16. started. Since 16. Well, yeah. you can definitely see that you had the passion and you kept going with it. You never looked back. And that's what I always tell yeah. people. You know, you execute what you want to do and you keep moving, and it can't turn out to be anything but excellent. You keep going. Exactly. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I can see there was no other love in any other career path right now, so we won't even go there. Not at all. <laughs> exactly. So I know you travel a lot. I mean, tell our audience yeah. what it's like, you know, traveling all over the world DJing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Um, it's not always as glamorous as people think. Um, oh, definitely. Just because a lot that. of times it'll be like food options aren't always the best depending on where you are. Um, a lack of sleep is usually somewhere in the equation. Um, there, there's a lot of ups and downs to it, but uh, some of the parts that I really like is just being able to go to different places and experience how different people live, and like you know, different cultures, and it kind of it opens your mind a lot because if you think about if you were to grow up in a city and you never leave that city and you never you know venture out, you, there's a lot that you just are unaware of, but when you start to travel to different, you know, cities and different countries and stuff like that, it it really started to open my mind. Like one example specifically was um one of my one of my first trips to Africa, and uh, I'm trying to think where this one where this one was. If this was like South Africa or where, um, but basically um, we're in a car driving around, and I I look outside and there's like kids um, playing soccer. They're playing soccer in the field, and they, like, don't have on any shoes, and they just look so happy. And it's like that moment right. made me think about the fact of, like, how many things we complain about or get upset about that really do not matter in the grand scheme of things. And it's like they're exactly. happy with, like, almost nothing, and we take for granted so much that we have on a regular basis. So it's just like that moment and seeing that kind of made me think about the fact of like, okay, let me make sure I appreciate everything that I have and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, traveling is, is, is cool. I like it. It's, it's amazing that it's actually part of the job where it's like, you know, some people take vacations to places, but there's different countries that I travel to that, you know, I'm, I'm going for work. Like I was saying, um, when we spoke before, like, okay, going to Dubai or Africa or Asia or Australia, um, all over Europe, you know, just all these different countries, and it's, it's a blessing, you know? Oh, it is a blessing. I mean, 
that cultural exchange is nothing like it because it makes you pretty much a well-rounded person because, like you said, when you see young people that don't have much and they're happy, I mean, some people don't even have water. I mean, you go to different countries. Um, I used to be in the entertainment industry, and we used to travel all over the place. I mean, we would fly to one place, get on our tour bus, and tour the whole, you know, north side of the country or something, you know, England being one, Dubai being another, you know, Japan, anywhere in Asia, I mean, Africa, South Africa, Mm -hmm. North Africa. And it was crazy. I mean, and the eating thing is real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm taking anyway. I mean, yeah, I remember going, getting off the bus, the tour bus in Germany one time, and I went in for breakfast, and I was like, no, I don't think I can do this. (laughs) This is too much. I said, no, I think I'll get back on. Because, you know, and another thing, I, I totally relate with what you're saying because, I mean, I had a couple careers in my life. When I first came back to New York, I was working at a nightclub called Spa, and I used to bartend next to DJ Bunny, Miss Bunny, and even Cameron Douglas, Michael Douglas' son was a DJ, and he was a pretty good DJ before, you know, all the craziness happened in his life and he went away. But um, And Girlina... And these were, like, really hot DJs at the time. And it was amazing. You would just be there, and you would just just party the whole entire night. And it was the DJ that turned up everything. That's all you could do is party. You know, every record that came on, and everybody came in. Everybody from Mace, Puff Daddy, I mean, everybody. Mm. Law and Order people. I used to keep a little tab on who would tip well. (laughs) Because everybody and their mother would come in there. And I'd be like, okay, let's see who's coming up in here tonight. I mean, Macaulay Culkin. I remember Beyonce and them from Destiny, when they were Destiny Child coming up in there. I mean, everybody, Whitney and Bobby. When I think back on it, it was crazy because it was the hottest club in New York at the time. And the DJs were so hot. And Mark Ronson and them, that's, that was that time with okay. Mark Ronson and his sister and Amy Winehouse and all of them. So it was really crazy. Mm-hmm. So I, I really understand that world somewhat with the traveling. Mm-hmm. But you hit it on the nose with the traveling and, you know, taking things for granted and being back here in America, you know, the country that has everything for you, you know. Yeah. It, it's a little different. And if you do oh, live in the it. inner city and you don't get opportunity to, to go out and travel, there's a big world out there you're missing. A very big world. So, you know, you and myself and, you know, people that have traveled, that's a hell of an opportunity to have because you have an understanding, a great understanding of, you know, what makes the world go round somewhat and not yeah, taking things for granted. So, yeah, that's a blessing for us. So let me ask you this. I know you said in one of your interviews that the industry is saturated now. And you feel as though the art of learning how to really mix is becoming null and void. Why is that? Uh, I, I feel like it's possibly because of um, people just getting into it because they're like all want to make some money or like um, they just want to be popular or, you know, it's. I feel like there's a lot of things that, that can kind of play to that because now you can – um, you can go get a computer. You can get the software, Serato. Um, you can download some music, and you can say, hey, I'm a DJ. But it's like a lot of times people don't take the time to actually study the craft, to actually practice and to actually get good. And I, I've seen that happen a lot. Um, yeah, and there's just, there's just a lot of DJs now, but not a lot that actually take the craft serious and, you know, learn the right way. So, yeah, just, I don't know. Think? I guess people just. Oh, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying I think people just might be doing it for the wrong reason, you know, whether that be clout or, or they just think it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because I've have, I have uh, interviewed a couple other artists that, you know, whether that be makeup artists or hairstylists, and they say the same thing. Mm-hmm. They yeah. say that nobody's taking the craft so serious, and it's kind of difficult for them to even do their work now because you have these people that 
you know, for some odd reason, they're able to whip it up and do it right, do it differently. And it's so many out there, so many hairstylists, so many makeup artists. And I think that's probably going across the board, you know, with our digital age. Yeah. And also social media. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say the, the, um, the actual uh, barrier to entry is a, a lot lower. Like you have to, you don't have to get as much to start as like as back in the day. Like as far as like, it's just making it a lot easier. Like in comparison to when I first started, I was I started on vinyl, so it's like thinking about okay, I have to invest in this equipment. Then I have to go to the record store and actually purchase records. And it's like with everything being digital now, or you can just get a controller, which is meaning like you have everything in one package, it just makes it to where you don't have to buy as many things and you can, you know, jump in the game. So right. that's the difference too. It's still honing your craft and becoming good and then becoming one of yeah. the best. You still got to get Indeed. there. <laughs> that's what I say. Yeah, the true. same thing in my business with real estate. I, I hear a lot of people, they come to me and they go, how do I break into the luxury game? I'm like, this is not something you break into. you got to grow up into this one. <laughs> it yeah. takes time to do this, you know, and you got to live luxury to understand it. You can't go and just buy yeah. it, you know. Luxury is options, so that's something different. Mm. <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. So Definitely. was there ever a breakdown before the breakthrough to success for you? Um, hmm. I have to think about but uh, not necessarily like not in terms of in terms of like with my my DJing because like I said everything kind of went from you know me doing a lot of clubs to me doing radio to then you know more clubs then connecting with Big Sean and that's like starting to tour and everything so that that wasn't really a point where it's like things are going terribly or anything is going bad. Like, it's been a slow, you know, it's been a gradual progression. Like, it definitely wasn't something that happened overnight, and I'm like, boom, I'm there. But it was just, like, gradually over time, things started to, like, you know, progress and get get better. Um, you know, there's a lot of things where I've just been learning along the way, but I don't think I would necessarily say a breakdown, though. Um right. Yeah, just a gradual progression for the for the most part. So it was pretty much smooth sailing and staying consistent and keeping your head in the grind and, you know, honing your craft. Yeah, just just really just staying focused on what I was trying to trying to accomplish and get done and not necessarily being worried about what everybody else was doing or competing with anybody else. Like that's one of the main one of the main things. Well when you're only competing with yourself, that's the best way to do it. Because that's what Indeed. takes you there, yeah. right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so walk us through going on tour with a Rihanna, Sean Paul, Kanye West, and, you know, working with Big Sean. Yeah, so, I mean, these are huge um, names in entertainment. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of times, so, so kind of which, which aspect do you kind of want to touch on in, in terms of uh, touring? Like, I feel like there's a, a lot that can probably be uh So how do you covered. get it started? I mean, a lot of people know you, you're out there, you're, you're, you know, in the back to the side, and you're like the support team. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it usually ends up starting with, like, just rehearsal, like like me along with the, with the band, and we're just, you know, organizing how the actual set is going to be, you know, then uh, – Big Sean will come in and we do our rehearsals for a couple of weeks and then we're out on the road and it's just pretty much city to city. And it's, it's interesting because it's a different city every night, but a lot of, most of the nights it's the same set list. So it's like, you know, we're doing a lot of the same songs like over and over. Um, like sometimes it feels monotonous, but it's dope because you get different energy and different vibes from every city that you go to. Um, and that's just even from, like, us being on stage, but then a lot of the cities out end up having an after party to where it's like, okay, all right, we finished the show, then I'll go to this club and, and spend for, like, an hour or so. Then it's like, you know, the energy and the vibe from that club, and then 
we leave and we go to the next city and it's like, you know, just a con- a continuous thing. Um, but yeah, there's just there's so many parts that go into it from like the the whole production crew and like you know stage managers and making sure everything is is organized because there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that people don't necessarily uh, see because you know the average person is coming to the show you know, to to see the performer do their songs, but it's like they're not understanding where it's like there's a playback engineer who's helping with certain things when we're playing the music during the set. Um, sometimes stuff goes wrong on stage, but oh, yeah, it'll definitely. be a situation where, yeah, where luckily the crowd can't tell because we have like our, our talk back mics. So on stage, we're like kind of communicating with each other what's going on and, and troubleshooting on the fly and like, all right, you might have to move this song over here and do this. And um, there's a lot of stuff that happens like that, but it's like when you have a, a solid team and everybody's playing their position, um, you know, just pull it together and, and put on a good show. Yeah, there's a, definitely a lot of moving parts when you're yeah, doing a show. For sure. Because, sure. I mean, even with the set list, <laughs> they might not be able to see it yeah. when they're running around on the stage. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like you have to tell, like, the the uh, in-ear monitor to, to put my mic in the artist's ear so I can tell them, like, hey, we only can do this song or we got to skip this, you know? as opposed to me saying it out loud to the crowd, I can really say it on my talk back mic and just be in his ears specifically. Oh, and, definitely. You know. Definitely. Yeah, so little, little stuff like that. So yeah. I would, would you say that you're one of the top um, DJs in the world at this point? I, would, I still got, I feel like I still honestly have a little ways to go, but I'm like very well accomplished. Like, Nowhere near beginner, but, like, not at, like, Diplo status, who's, okay. like, you know, super popular. So I'm, like, I'm in there where I'm definitely a vet, but, like, still have a few stages to to be at that very top tier. I'm right there, though. <laughs> you said I'm right there, though. I'm not going to be fast, so I'm yeah. right there. Wait a minute. Let's not get it twisted. <laughs> hey, don't, don't have no shame to your yeah. games. Hey, you work for it. I don't blame you. So we're going yeah. to kind of turn the tables here a little bit. You okay. shared with me that you came to a realization a short time ago that financial freedom was important to you. So yeah. you took to IG, Instagram, and started following people such as Aisha Selden, Todd Millionaire, Rashana Scott, and Ash Cash, to name a few. Mm-hmm. Now that you have taken that on, what's your strategy? Um, so even aside from just, like, the, the Instagram stuff, like, a lot of this uh, shift happened, I would say, maybe early last year when there was, uh, you know, just to, I probably read the most books of my life just last year alone, you know, just from, from books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, um, Millionaire Next Door, and right. um, a, a bunch of others, and it just, like, really shifted my mindset. Um, because being in entertainment, it's like financial freedom and financial literacy and, like, you know, stuff like that nobody was really talking about. So it's like, you just you don't know what you don't know. So I started That's getting right. more of this information. Yeah, so I started getting more of this information, and I was making it – I was being very intentional about even on my social media, where it's like – like because if you think about, like, diet, diet is more than just, like, what you're eating. Like, if you're on social media, like, what you're consuming on your timeline, like, that affects you. Like, yeah, that affects, like, your thoughts and, like, stuff like that. So I kind of had to start following certain people that were in that space, you know, from talking about real estate to talking about financial literacy just so I can start learning and listening to more podcasts and and things like that. So I kind of got just in the zone where I was, I started to budget. I was, um, like I said, intentional in my time and my money and my energy. And I was like, all right, I need to start um, acquiring uh, assets. So Ended up having the property under contract uh, mid last year. That didn't really go accordingly. And then, uh, as of the time right now that we're recording this, I have um, a property that I'm scheduled to close on uh, next week. 
in Detroit, which would be my first. So it's just oh, like fantastic. Yeah, so it's like that shift just really came from a lot of the books that I was reading and the information that I was getting from the people that I was following. And, um, you know, also just realizing, like, all right, I need to have some, some assets that will be cash flowing. So just so I don't get comfortable being in DJ Mobit's mode and traveling and all of that and look up and be like, you know, and I only made dope memories. And it's like I want to be able to um, the same these same memories. I want to if I really want to, I can make this like a lifestyle, as opposed to being like, oh, that was a cool show I did in Australia, or like, oh, that was cool that time when I went to Dubai. And it's like, yo, I could go next week if I want to. Like, it's not reliant right. on just being DJ Mobeats. So it's like I realize setting up these these different things will put me in a position to where I can do that kind of stuff whenever I want and not necessarily be relying on just uh, a job, you know? That's real, though. That's real. I, I mean, I, I know I shared with you at one point in my life, I realized I was sitting in certain seats with surrounded by, you know, certain people, and I thought, wow, I'm only here because I can fly here free. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm invited, you know, because I look a certain way. And I, once I realized yeah. that, I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm out. I have to get out of here. I need to really understand <laughs> that I need to be able to sit in that first-class seat and have it paid for by me and know that I can go there and meet these same people because I can. Yeah. And that's when I it's, decided it's good to be able to, it was time to change. To have, it's good to be able to have those moments where you even realize that because some people – might realize it late or some people might not even realize it at all. And it's just like, oh, you absolutely. look up and it's like, whoa. The same way with, so. you know, when we were talking about growing up, that passion, you know, yeah. you have a passion for something, but for some odd reason it slips by you and you take that left turn as opposed to that right turn. So, you know, your yeah. mind, depending on the, the, the people you're around and the support that you have, and some, a lot of people don't have that support. But they get that, they get it, it clicks, some, some light bulb, something, some energy or someone they meet or, you know, hopefully they meet a mentor or something, they see that in them. Or they say to them, listen, you, should, you need to think about this. Maybe you need to think about this and go in this direction, young man or young lady, because you're making this kind of income right now. Because yeah. that cash, it goes so quickly. You find yourself buying this, buying that, and things that you think you need, and you don't. Yeah. And all of it's, a sudden you look up and your bank account is like windled away, and all you have is things, but no income. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Someone told me it's, a while ago, you need income completely, coming in consistently. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what we're talking about here. And, you know, you having that shift at this point in your life is a good thing because you still have time. And when you have time, you know, you can invest properly. I mean, 20, 20 30 years from now, you, you still, you'll be just in your prime. You'll be 50, 60-something years old. Yeah. And what that's... income can do for you at that point after having it come in consistently and stacking it. You wouldn't worry about a thing. <laughs> you, it will be a lifestyle. Trust me. Because time is on your side, which is a beautiful thing. And not a lot of people have time on their side because, like you said, they miss it. Or they never have that shift. Oh, very so true. tell us about yeah. your understanding of financial literacy and creating generational wealth for your future now. Um, I mean, a lot of it that I've, um, just from the information that I've been, been getting, it's like I've realized I need to have uh, rental properties. Like, whether I be single family or, or multifamily, just something to where, you know, it's, it's, bringing, in, it's bringing in money every month. Um, it just makes sense. You know, so, so say, for example, the, the average person uh, – goes to a job, you get a, you get a check, and then it usually ends up being where you use this check to pay for your bills, you pay your rent, you 
pay for whatever liabilities, whether that be like, all right, I'm buying a car, I'm buying some, you know, some clothes and whatever. And it's like this shift, I realize the shift needs to happen where it's like I'm using this DJ money that I'm bringing in from whether it be shows or whatever the, the case is and use that for investments that are going to be bringing me money and I can use that on either you have to put in some more investments or either use some of that to for any of the little liability type stuff that I do want to purchase as opposed to like trading my time for money and then trading that money for liability. So it's like making that shift because, you know, otherwise it's going to be just an endless cycle, like work for money, spend the money, work for some more money, spend that money. And it's like, yo, like it's just an endless pattern. Like you're just in a rat race. So I'm like, yo, I'm not trying to do that. So, that's literally the point where I'm at right now where it's like, all right, let me get these assets and, you know, get it going. Right. You said I'm not chasing my tail. <laughs> yeah. You're definitely on that hamster wheel. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So are you investing in multi-units or are you investing in single families? So the original plan was um, – so the property that I had on the contract last year was a multi-family. It was a two-family unit uh, in Detroit. Right. And that one, uh, the deal didn't go right just because there was a lot of stuff with the contractor and XYZ. And uh, so I ended up being able to pull out of that because of my contingencies. But the property that I'm getting now is actually a single family. And uh, it was a situation where it's a, it's a bank owned and the price is really good. So I actually won't have a, I won't have a note on it. Um, right. So it's like, this will be a single family and I'm, I would be looking to do a multi that I will probably put a note on, like maybe do like an owner-occupied for a year or so and then get out of that. So I want to put like a, a large down payment. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the strategy right now. It was mainly get this first property, and it's, I'm just happy it's a situation where I can get it and there's not a note and I still got you know, other options for the next for the next play. Yeah, that's fantastic because, you know, having no note, you can take that. And, and transition that, refinance that, and go after the multi, because mm-hmm. that's the yeah. that's you know that's the game, <laughs> especially yeah, when that's exactly. you know when you can go in and buy something cash, and then you know mm-hmm. you take that cash that you have in that property, take it out and go and buy the next one, buy your multi unit mm-hmm. six, eight, ten, or whatever, and keep it coming. Yes, that is definitely the name exactly. of the game. Yeah. It's, it's for, I mean, you're fortunate to be able to do that. A lot of people can't do that. But when you're able to yeah. do that, that's a, that's a smart move. That's definitely and it's like realizing, the, it's like realizing the, that all of this is possible while things are in a good place as opposed to if it was right. when things are on a decline, whether it's like, you know, shows start to like slow down a lot more or I'm not in a position where I'm scrambling right now. It's like, Things are still going great, so while the while they're going great, let me adjust and and move accordingly. So it's like it's perfect timing for it. And um, like I said, I've really been locked in for it's been like close to a year now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's fantastic. And you know, I mean, I know you're buying where you grew up and everything from in Detroit, mm-hmm. but you know, yeah. there's other places you can buy too. You can buy outside oh, yeah, of that. Exactly. You buy the right management company and get it done. It's a, it's a smart mm-hmm. move, and you're right to oh, to come to that realization now when things are good, as opposed to, you know, things kind of going sideways. Smart move. Smart move. Yeah. So yeah, you've been reading your books and you've been listening. <laughs> oh, for sure. Right. I'm, the way people get excited about like Netflix shows and stuff, I get excited when like a new podcast drops. I'm, I'm locked in, especially living in L.A. Like, I'm always listening to podcasts and audiobooks in the car. And, right. you know, when we, when we being a DJ, you will be surprised to know that I barely listen to music in the car. It's usually an audiobook or a podcast just because I'm like, yeah. this is time that I'm spending in the car traveling. I might as well, like, be learning something. Let me, let me get some knowledge right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm the same way. 
I don't, I don't even I don't even have Netflix, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on about this show and that show. If it ain't Law and Order, I don't know what it is because that's the only thing I see that comes <laughs> on the TV. But other than that, I am in my world of podcasts, my world of real estate and finance, and that's what makes yeah. me tick. I get excited I'm trying to being. find out what's the next building I want to buy. So, <laughs> so I don't even think about that. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. We have to prepare. We all have to prepare. So let me ask you this. Are you interested in getting married or starting a family anytime soon? Like, that's one thing with, I feel like, with this line of work in terms of relationships, because uh, sometimes with the travel schedule being so hectic, and if it's – Someone who, like, you know, just say, for example, if you're in a relationship and, and uh, your partner has uh, a nine-to-five, but then I have to travel a lot or if I'm, like, always going on holidays and stuff like that, it makes it kind of difficult. And that's actually been, like, a downfall in the past just because, like, it would be, like, a lot of holidays where it's, like, in a row where it's, like, oh, like, I'm in uh, – I'm in Abu Dhabi two years in a row around Thanksgiving because there's an F1 race out here and we got a show. Right. So right. it's yeah. So I don't. It's a difficult situation, but I feel like this point. Uh, I don't know. It's like work right now. Like there's just I'm trying to get these assets. You said, I, you right said now, I'm so, in work you know. mode. <laughs> right. Yeah, like these, I'm in work mode. Assets, so. I get that question. I wanted to ask that question only because, you know, now that you have dubbed into understanding a little more about financial literacy and, you know, beginning to start to create generational wealth for yourself in the future, um, the, question would have, the question would be, you know, how would you teach and prepare your children on creating generational wealth now that you have dubbed into it? and have a, have somewhat of understanding and beginning? I feel like it would be mainly um, kind of the, the opposite of the majority of the stuff that we're taught in school. Because um, I feel like when you go to school, it's like they teach you, like, okay, like, get good grades, get a good, you know, get good grades, go to college, get a good job, um, work that job and, you know, get your retirement and that, like, all of that. It's like I feel like in school we're we're kind of taught and programmed to be employees as opposed to, you know, actually being a boss. Like, all right, come so on. That, <laughs> that part, so it's, that it's, part. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's stuff like that. Like, it, I really feel like definitely in, in school we kind of get programmed. So it's it's like just making that shift um you know just now also with a lot of the information that's that's available on on the internet i feel like more people are getting hit to what's going on just because you you see um a lot more people that look like us that are doing these these things and you realize what's possible so it's like okay like the norm is not where you want to want to go like at this point i'm trying to go the opposite way of what everybody that's quote-unquote normal is doing because obviously normal won't get you great results. So it's like, all right, let me lock in, you know, put some plays together over here, get some assets. Like those are the the, the things that I, that I feel like are, you know, pretty important right now. You know, just all the so things that I wish things. I would have – all the things that I wish I would have known uh, when I was younger. Um. You know, and it's even situations where it's, like, information I come across and I send to my mom, too, like, yo, listen to this podcast, you know, just because a lot of those conversations aren't had, I feel like, um, in a lot of our households, you know? Yeah, it's like I get it. My parents weren't teaching to me or, the, you know, their parents weren't teaching to them. It's like, you know, it, it makes it hard to really be on that if nobody around you is on it. Yeah, and it all starts at home, understanding what credit means, having a relationship with money, you know, and not everybody had that in their household, like you said. And I guess that's why, you know, I posed that question to you, because 
you know, today we have more access. And you're right. You hit that right on the nose. We have been taught or, you know, and they're still teaching it, you know, go to school, get, a, you know, get great grades, go on to college, get a great job or a good job or a decent job or a job, period. You know, hopefully you yes. can maintain your credit because some people, they think a credit card is something they just give them and they should go out and spend. Before they know it, they got a bill and they can't pay it. So yeah, it, it that, all starts uh, with your relationship yeah. with money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. You mentioned the credit card thing, and it made me think back to when I was in uh, when I was in college. And I remember specifically there was uh, I don't remember what credit card company, but basically they were on campus and they were like, "Yo, if you sign up for this credit card, if you just if you apply, you get a free pizza from like I don't know, it might have been Domino's or somewhere, whatever pizza place was called, called to the campus." And it was just like even like predatory things like that where it's like, you know, I'm a college student. I'm more than likely broke. Like right. <laughs> they haven't been teaching us nothing about credit. It's like, yo, I want this pizza. Like I don't think I signed up for it, but it's like still even the fact that that was even happening is just surprising. Like they don't teach you about credit, but they got credit card companies on campus asking people to sign up. And it's just like, man, and isn't that crazy? They teach you geometry, trigonometry, how to add one and one is two, but they never said anything. All the stuff about I'm not using. <laughs> right? Never said anything yeah. about banking. So, you, and that's funny. In retrospect, you're right. They, everything else, science, you know, everything. Nothing yeah. about credit, banking, getting your head straight, your relationship with money. No support whatsoever in school. Wow, I never even thought about it like that. And you're absolutely right. And every time, you're right. When you're on campus, you got a credit card company. Get your credit card, you know, you'll be able to go and build your – they'll say you can build credit by getting it. But we still didn't understand what that meant. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So a credit card was like free cash. (laughs) I'm going shopping. Oh, so you you think. (laughs) Right, so you think until you try and go buy, you know, buy a house. And even the house yeah. thing, you know, people think, you know, I got to go buy, you know, I was telling my nephew, he keeps telling me, I want to buy my house, I want to buy a house. I, wanna, I said, baby, you want to buy a building. You don't want to buy a house. That same money you can go and stick into that one single house to live in, because that's what it's for, to live in, if you buy one oh, house. Okay. You yeah. should buy a building where you got six rents coming into you or four rents coming into you, and if one person fall off, you can still pay that mortgage. I said, doesn't that make sense? Oh, yeah, that does make sense. Well, you know, stop telling me about you are so desperate to buy your home. Rent an apartment until you're ready to buy a building. And that's what I tell yeah. them all the time. Yeah, and, you know, like, all right, I'm, I'm going like, to buy my dream home. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they get you. Know, to, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, they want to buy a dream home. It's like buy that building, that building. Let that building buy you the dream home. Because it's all, yeah. you know, it makes sense. It's available. It's the one mistake yeah. you make when you go and live in that home and the only person paying for it is you. What is Yeah, exactly. You realize. Yep. And That's, That's the trap. True. That's the trap. And, you know, I'll share this with you. I'll never forget when I realized my mother and my parents, my grandparents also, they were so happy when they paid their home off. 30 years of paying a mortgage, and they didn't know any better. 30 years, they didn't pay for the house three times, in some cases four times. Because you don't know any better. If you don't know, you don't know. Nobody tells you. And that's yeah, the unfortunate, right. you know, that's the unfortunate part. And like you said, now there's so many people in this space that look like us that are trying to reach out to us and teach us. I mean, you know, reach one, teach one, or teach one, reach one, however way you want to do it. But it's yeah. so important for us to, to help each other with that. And yeah. there's quite a few people. That, there's no excuse today. Yeah, the, the information like said, is, is, is everywhere. It is everywhere. It's like you said, I'm tra- you traveling the world, you doing your thing, but you had a mind shift. You said, wait a second. <laughs> I need to put some of this yeah. away. Yeah, because it's kind of easy to, to get um, 
to get caught up in your your daily routine and, and things kind of get monotonous and it's like all right like this is like feeling like this is what I'm told to do like all right I go to work I get my money I I buy this I spend on that and and you know you look up and like we were saying that that shift happened where it literally was like like I woke up <laughs> it was like all right everything I've been doing that's not it let's uh let's change this up so yeah that's awesome. I take my hat off to you because not everybody, like I said, not everybody gets that light bulb turned on when they're out there because things are moving so fast. You can look up 10, 15 years has passed by. And you're like, wow, yeah. what did I do with it all? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's very true. I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome. I hope, you know, one day I run into you in L.A. I'm going to tell you something. I hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at one of your um, <laughs> one of your YouTube videos, and you were like, Mm-hmm. With um, I, I'm, I hope I'm saying his name right. X A Tracks, or is X A Tracks? And you guys were in Paris. Yeah, I can't remember. Oh, that and was oh A Track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. fashion show. Yeah. You killed him. <laughs> you oh, killed appreciate him. it. <laughs> it's I funny. That's actually office. one of the DJs that that was on my bucket list as far as like you know he's one of the guys that I uh, looked up to. Uh, coming up, so like there is A Track, Jazzy Jeff, and Qbert. So like right. that was oh, a moment wow. where I, I had to ask him. I was like, "Yo, we got to get a session in." He was like, "Cool, let's do it." <laughs> oh well, you know, you blew him out the water. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I was that. in my office. I, I was listening that. to it, and I was like, "I was like, wait a minute." I was just about to turn it off, and I saw him, and I was like, "Oh wait a minute, that's not." That's not DJ Mo Beats. I said, who's this guy? And then I read it at the bottom. I said, let me write this down real quick. And then he was scratching. <laughs> and I was group. I was really, I was jamming to what he was doing. And then all of a sudden, you was, was like, yeah, let me get in. And when you got, <laughs> I was like, dude. Yeah, that was, that was one of those bucket list me. moments. You like, wiped right, the you do this. because I know Big Sean was right <laughs> behind him. He started jamming with you. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm sorry, A Track, but you know, look, I have to give it to <laughs> where I saw it happen. Oh, yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. I was like, okay, he's killing it. Yeah, yeah. I miss the entertainment industry. That was an awesome. In- that's an awesome industry. No matter which way you come from, and you're so right about you're so many moving parts. You know, I yeah, mean, I was a manager, definitely. so I kind of stood back and watched everything happen. And my job was to handle the talent, of course. Yeah. But, um, yeah, a lot of moving parts in this business. So, Definitely. yeah, you guys are doing it out there. It's awesome. Cool. So I have another question to ask you. Give us, cool. a, yeah, give us a little bit of, you know, a walkthrough in the day in the life of DJ Mo Beats. It, that's, that's the thing because, like, I don't feel like, there isn't honestly a set routine because um, it, it'll really all depend on if there's a show going on, if I have, uh, you know, some kind of show with Sean or if I have a solo gig or if I'm just like, I don't have to work or if I'm doing radio. So it really varies, but for sure something that's in my schedule every day, except for Sunday is I'm, I'm for sure in the gym. Like I've been, heavy on my fitness stuff for the past couple of years. So it's like that. And then usually my day oh, honestly consists of me tackling the to-do list that I made the night before. And usually the to-do list will consist of like smaller, uh, smaller tasks that'll, that get me to one of my larger goals. You know, like whether right. that be, uh, you know, whether that be like, all right, I have this property under contract and I have to call this person and call that person and do this and then do that, or um, it's, it really it really just varies. But that's usually what my day will consist of. Like every night before I go to sleep, I literally make a to-do list so that when I wake up the next morning, I'm not like, I'm I'm not, not reacting to the yeah, exactly. Like I'm, I'm pretty much creating the day that I want by saying like these are the things that I want to do, as opposed to getting up and just being reactive to be like, all right, what did this person text me? What's going on? What are these emails like? What's going on here? It's like I have this set list of object of objectives that I'm going to get done. Um, 
because these are the things that are going to get me to that next level. And then whatever thing, whatever other things fall in between there, whether you know that be somebody hits me on a text or email, then that's cool. But it's like this list of things is like I have to get these done. Um, yeah, just so I'm not going on about my day like aimlessly just doing stuff uh, just because. I hope you guys heard that. He takes out his to-do <laughs> list and get it done. Because a lot of people don't yeah, do that. Literally. They wake up and they're reaction, reactionary people. I've been working on that myself a little bit, you know. I mean, I'm more consistent than I, I like to be sometimes because <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> crazy that way. But, yeah, um, when you don't have order, you do become a reactionary person. And that yeah. brings on emotions that you don't need in your life because that can wreck, mm-hmm. that can wreck your day, definitely. But if you oh, know exactly sure. what you have to do and you get it done, the rest of the day is yours. You know, like I, I, yeah. I'm up early. The first thing, the first thing I have to do is work out because that's what puts that positive frame on. You know, mm-hmm. get me going. Once I work out, everything else is easy. I think that's oh, the hardest definitely. part of my day, working out. <laughs> yeah, and I just became knows. a pescatarian, so I have to eat. Okay. Well, not just became just a little while ago, but um, I have to eat a certain way. So I have to make my food. And, you know, I'm training myself to eat pure. Okay. And that's not an easy thing either. And anybody that's (laughs) listening to this, they know that. I mean, (laughs) that's not easy either. But I'm happy that way. I think it it just keeps a, you know, a real positive frame of mind. And it keeps you up and your energy level is crazy. Mine is anyway. So I am so glad. Sorry? No, I'm saying one of these days I might try a vegetarian or or something like that. But gotcha. I might try that out one of these days. Yeah, see. you know what? I have to say I really like being a pescatarian. I mean, it's been amazing. And every day I find out something different about my body and the way I feel and my energy level and my thought process. You know, I'm good. I'm a workaholic anyway, always have been, never been any other way, always been an entrepreneur, Um, never really worked for anyone. My first job was a flight attendant, and to me, I didn't have a job. I was just going, I had destination. (laughs) (laughs) We were partying in the air, and that was it. So no boss. So I never had a job. So all I've ever done was create my own life and my own business and what I wanted to do. So to me, now I'm creating the body I want, and that just makes yeah. sense to me. By eating clean and understanding what it's like to have that energy, you know, as getting older, you're, you slow down. I mean, because I used to be a party animal. Whew, my God, you get to travel around the world, you get to see things that you've never seen before, meet people that you never thought you might ever meet in your life. Trust me, I had a good time. And, you know, <laughs> then your body starts slowing down, and I said, no, that's not going to work for me. So how can I switch mm. this up? So that's what I did. True. But, yeah, um, I don't know if I'll ever be a vegetarian because I really love seafood. Ah, <laughs> so, uh, okay. I, yeah, the other stuff I can okay. get back. The meat, no, I don't have to do that. But the, the fish and the seafood, yeah I, yeah, I don't think I can do that one. So it's still okay. clean eating to me. Yeah, so try it. You never know. But it'll be uh, just a little, well, we have a lot of vegetarians out there now and a lot of vegans, so traveling wouldn't be so oh, bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, I feel like there's definitely a lot more options now than, than I really knew about before. So, yeah. Absolutely. We'll <laughs> and it'll go with the mindset, you know. Yeah. You got all the junk out. Now you can put buildings in your head because <laughs> they, exactly. they weigh a lot. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> so I have one more question to ask you. Um, yeah. And this question I'm sure you can handle. So, Moby, if there was one question you would share with people to ask themselves on a daily basis that want to break through to success, what would that question be that you would have them ask themselves? Um, what type of life do I want to live and what am I doing to get me closer to that 
that actual, like, to that life being reality. Um, yeah, because I feel like a lot of times people can, like, say they want something, but, like, their actions literally won't reflect what they're saying they want. Like, if you're saying you want to be a, like, I really want to be a rapper, but you never go to the studio. Like, I really want to, you know, uh, you know, whatever it is, like, whatever, whatever people tell, they, tell themselves that they actually want, are you doing things to actually get yourself there? Because um, it's easy to just say it, but it's like taking action is, is a lot different. So, yeah. Boom. <laughs> you said it, <laughs> taking action is entirely different. Yeah. Because that's the $50 million shot right there. You take action, nothing can't, you know, stop you then. Yeah. It all falls into place as long as you keep taking action and staying consistent. Exactly. Yes. It's been really fantastic having this conversation with you. You brought back a lot of memories for me, um, <laughs> especially the party scene, especially when I was doing yeah. my little research on you and tell a track. <laughs> I didn't mean anything by it, but you did tell us. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> I hope to get to see you one day in L.A. When I come out there, yeah. I'll probably be out there in a few months. So I'll definitely look you up. Okay. You know, maybe we yeah, can have, sure. you know, break some bread together or something. That'd be yeah. great. So, DJ Beats, tell our audience how they can find you on social media. Oh, yeah. So, so everything is DJ Beats. So, DJ M-O. B-E-A-T-Z. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm um, most active usually on, like, Instagram and Twitter. So those places, um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Well, guys, you heard it from him. You heard it from DJ Mobis. You can find him on all social media platforms, and hopefully you'll be out there somewhere where he's DJing because he is dope. Yeah. All right, <laughs> DJ Mobis. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get <laughs> no to meet problem. each other soon. And um, I wish you all the luck, all the luck on the, you know, getting that building and the next and the next. Yes. Yes, Thank you for being on from execution to excellence, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with DJ Mo Beats. It goes to show that no matter what industry you embark on or what career you take on, it is imperative that you learn what generational wealth means and financial literacy. It will sustain the lifestyle you create for yourself. Once again, I'd like to thank you for being with us on From Execution to Excellence, and I am your host, Jane Bond. You can find DJ Mo Beats on Twitter and Instagram at DJ Mo Beats. That's D-J-M-O-B as in boy, E-A-T-Z. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you next time. Do not forget to subscribe and write us a review. Talk to you then.